Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn what the 2019 State of Science Index says about the global perception of science with a special guest, the chief science advocate of 3M. Plus, you'll learn how you can have the chance to name one of Jupiter's newly discovered moons. Let's newly discover some curiosity. Today, we're going to dive into new data on what the world thinks about science. And our guest is Jayshree Sait, corporate scientist and chief science advocate at 3M. You know, the 3M that manufactures post-it notes and scotch tape, plus lots of other stuff. Their brand is Science Applied to Life. That's why they just released the State of Science Index. Here's Jayshree Sait with the details, starting with what is the State of Science Index? It's a study to look at the global perception of science. We did one in 2018. And uh, we just released the 2019 results. And essentially, it is a uh, third-party independent global survey that we commissioned. 14 different countries and 1,000 respondents each. And we asked a whole bunch of questions about uh, science and the perception of science and expectations of science, etc. And it's uh, very interesting. Uh, in 2018, uh, we had 40% of the people say that if science didn't exist, their lives wouldn't be any different. And so that was, frankly, very shocking. Uh, so we decided to continue with it this year. And this year, we dug deeper into some of that to understand what was behind that and what is really meant with that. And it seems like anything that science has delivered in the past is not as important and is perhaps taken for granted. But everybody recognizes that science is important for tackling the problems in future. So, for example, we have 87% of the respondents say science is critical to solving the world's problems. Uh, that, I think, is a, is a great way to understand what is going on, is people have high expectations of science and also understand that science is critical for the future. But perhaps we haven't done a good job of communicating what science has already delivered, and that's why people say, well, if science didn't exist, my life won't be any different. What was also interesting is that 85% of the people surveyed said that they know little or nothing about science and about the same number said, I want to know more about science. Over 80% people said that I want to know about science from a scientist. I would trust them to give me the information. However, I would like for them to talk to me in a way that I can relate to my daily life, to my, uh, you know, understandable fashion. And 58% and said that they believe scientists are elitist and um, unapproachable, if you will. So what I'm basically trying to do is paint a picture for you as to what we're seeing as issues and what we can do about them. Clearly, people uh, want to hear from scientists, but I think there's a communication uh, issue there, perhaps, where we can address that by becoming better storytellers of explaining what we're doing in a way that people can relate to. I think there gets to be a point where a lot of information doesn't do any good. I think it's the context and the information and the positioning of what we're trying to do is also important, perhaps just as much or even more so, so that what is being communicated is understood. So we're finding lots of nuggets in there where we can actually do something about it. So this, this year we dug a little deeper into that. I'm kind of curious, how do you define science in this or do you define the term science at all? Because it, that's such a broad category. 
Yeah, it's a good question. We actually did define the word science. Exactly how is it defined? It's the pursuit of, you know, gaining knowledge in a stepwise fashion, you know, the scientific method and all of that. And first, when I looked at it, I was like, well, wait a minute, that's why this happened. And that's why this happened. But still, the word itself, what does it mean? And what image do people get? What emotion it evokes in them when they hear the word? Even that is important in a way. So after a lot of discussion, it was uh, something to think about. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm surprised when 85% of the people say I know, know little or nothing about science, because I feel like, you know, it's not just scientists who know about science. You don't have to have a degree to know about science. I mean, in fact, in its most rudimentary form, I would think like baking is a science, you know? So it seems like people are easy to draw this boundary between them and science and scientists and all of that. And I kind of want it to be a fluid spectrum where people are like, yeah, I'm, I, I know about science, but I'm just not in a science profession. Or yeah, I appreciate science. I understand the scientific method, but I'm not practicing you know, or an engineer or things like that. So I think this distance, this distance that we have created somehow needs to be, you know, literally obliterated because we want people to feel like this is something they can understand. It is something that they understand the methodology behind it because oftentimes people are shocked when a certain recommendation changes. Well, if they understood that the scientific method works that way, you know something and you make the best recommendation based on the best data that you can gather. As new information becomes available, you redo your hypothesis and you regenerate data and you come up with a slightly different recommendation. And it's not that we changed our mind, it's the data that has to be incorporated and that's just sound scientific methodology. And I think having that kind of sort of literacy, if you will, will help us all put things in perspective. I saw in the report that trust in science even dropped from last year in a lot of countries. So how do you yeah. explain for that and what do we do about it? Yeah, that was one of the interesting things we saw that skepticism is not only at an all-time high, it even rose last year. So part of me, and we, again, we've had a lot of discussions around that because the data is what it is, right? And you can rationalize it. What I feel is we are perhaps at a point of like a trust paradox. If people don't understand science, then they can't trust it. And if they can't trust science, they don't make the effort to understand it. But everything is put into perspective when I see the the notion that 87% say, wow, science is going to be crucial to solving world's problems. So then it's like, okay, yes, there is definitely that, that collective uh, strength behind that number that we need to keep pursuing those endeavors and making sure we bring people along and communicate in a fashion that makes it more approachable, understandable. And it's not just about inform, inform, inform. It's about inspire. It's about engage. It's about empathize. It's about empower. I think those uh, things have to be part of a scientist's vocabulary. And the role has to evolve such that have, being a good communicator becomes part of that because it's not just in a, in a corporate environment or an academic environment, but it's also about communicating to the outside world. That was 3M corporate scientist and chief science advocate Jayshree Sate. She'll be on Curiosity Daily again tomorrow to help us understand how we can do a better job talking about science. In the meantime, you should check the index at 3M.com slash science index. The site is really interactive and fun to play around with. And 3M would love to hear feedback from curious listeners like you. One more time, that's 3M.com slash science index. Here's one great way to get involved in science. Name one of Jupiter's moons. 
That's a thing you can actually do, thanks to a contest being held right now by the Carnegie Institution for Science. Seriously. Remember last July when astronomer Scott Shepard announced he had discovered 12 new moons of Jupiter? Well, the naming process for five of those moons is officially open to the public. Technically, the International Astronomical Union gets the final say on the official name of any new celestial body that gets discovered. But the discoverer gets to suggest a permanent name, and the union does give priority to those suggestions. It's fair game to ask people to give you ideas, which is why Pluto got its name from an 11-year-old girl. You can find our episode with that story on CuriosityDaily.com, by the way. But there are still a lot of rules you have to follow when you name a moon. You'll have to brush up on your Greek and Roman mythology, for one thing. Since Jupiter is the king of the Roman gods and the analog to the Greek god Zeus, the moons have to be named after descendants or lovers of Jupiter or Zeus. Also, the names of the moons that spin in the opposite direction as Jupiter have to end in an E, and the names of the moons that spin in the same direction as Jupiter have to end in an A. The name has to be 16 characters or fewer, preferably one word. It can't be offensive in any language. It can't be too similar to any existing names of moons or asteroids. And it can't be the name of a person, place, or event that's mainly known for political, military, or religious activities. Got all that? All right. Once you have a name, you can tweet it to at Jupiter Lunacy with a hashtag name Jupiter's moons and explain why you chose the name. They'll also accept suggestions in video format. You have until April 15th to get your suggestions in. Good luck. And in case it wasn't already clear, an ineligible name is Mooney McMoonface. I don't think Jupiter had any offspring named Mooney McMoonface. But, you know, maybe there are undiscovered Roman texts. Zeus was quite the philanderer. It's true. Today's ad-free episode was brought to you by our patrons. Thank you so much, Michaela Mays, Hayden Fossey, Michael Kovich, Ryan Day, Reed, and Chase for your support on Patreon. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.